You're listening to the Art of Living Well podcast with Father Ian Van Heusen. Welcome back to the Art of Living Well podcast. In this episode, Father Ian is talking about enemies of the church. There are people who want to destroy the Catholic Church. He'll discuss three prominent things who actively sought to undermine Western civilization with their perverse teaching. Enjoy. So it's fascinating. It was a controversial ad. And I, I, I'm most struck by this, the simplicity of it, and such a symbol of our current situation in America. So this ad, they were going to run it during the Super Bowl. It was deemed too controversial to the Super Bowl. It was deemed offensive, that it was hurtful and offensive. And all the ad was, was an image of a baby in a womb, ultrasound, so medical information, if you will. So an image of an ultrasound, and then the story of a particular person where their mother had a difficult pregnancy, the mother gave birth to the child, and the child went on to be successful despite difficult circumstances. And then it ended, and meanwhile, it's just the image of the ultrasound, that life is good. Pause for a second right now. Think about this. I have presented no political platform. I've endorsed no politician. I've in no way even brought up anything that should hypothetically be controversial, but yet people have all kinds of assumptions that if you simply show an ultrasound, that's considered radical. If you say that life is good, that's considered offensive. That's a fascinating situation we're in in the United States right now that that's considered a radical statement. Now, of course, I understand that there's layers of politics. And I can even understand if you disagree with our current president or whatever, there's layers of stuff. I mean, there's co- politics is always somewhat complex. But we have to recognize that something has fundamentally shifted in a kind of weird direction when that statement is considered radical. When to say that a man and a woman come together for the sake of the life and procreation, and that that's the foundation of relationships between men and women, when that's considered radical, when that, the, the recently uh, speaker, one of the nicest guys in the world, Jason Everett, was considered a radical in Ireland, simply for telling people to wait till marriage or different ideas. He was considered radical for proclaiming the church teaching. And he's the nicest guy in the world. I met him. He's not angry. He's not violent. He doesn't condemn anybody. He's understanding. He's empathetic, but he's a radical. And when you say that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, that again is considered a radical statement. How much has changed? And in fact, actually, it's not that crazy as you think. It's not that mysterious. That a lot of the undergirdings was there in philosophy. So I studied philosophy in a few regards. As an English major, when I was actually a left-wing activist and believer in postmodernism, so I studied and met some of the great philosophers of our time, they're not in agreement with church teaching. So you had this rise of postmodernism, and you had the rise of these ideas. This, see, this is a challenge right now is because of the erosion of Western civilization, people are, are taught not necessarily how to think. They're not given a foundation in the Western civilization canon. See, and, and by the way, it's, it's very clear. If you read Jacques Derrida, if you read these philosophers, the people that are influencing second and third order actions, they're very clear. They want to take out Christianity. They want to take out the Catholic Church. They say that explicitly in their writings, whether it's Nietzsche, Marx, whatever. You know, Marx's famous thing is religion is poison. We have, to, we have to move people away from believing in God and instead believing in the state. So 
three of the ideas, three of the main speakers that I want to talk about a little bit are what they often call the hermeneutics of suspicion. That is, what they did is they took standard ideas of Western civilization and they tried to turn it upside down. The first one, he's probably actually a little bit later in chronology, but the first one I want to highlight is Sigmund Freud. Now, there's a lot of good things with psychology. By the way, any good psychologist will tell you that most of Freud's ideas have since been disproven. Really, Freud did no research. A lot of his ideas was kind of like philosophy connected with psychology. And his whole thing was that we got to get rid of these codes. We got to follow our base instincts. The more we can unleash our subconscious urges and our desires, the deepest desires of our nature, the more we can get rid of conventionality and follow like our intuition. So instead of an outside authority, I need to obey myself and my instincts. This led, of course, to the sexual revolution and many of those ideas that flowed from that. But the reality is, is what we find, and actually studies will show this out, is that when you're like an animal, when you obey your, just your animal instincts for you know, procreation, for food, pleasure, comfort, that doesn't make you noble. That doesn't, see, there's something, nobility is when you're able to tame that lion within and direct your instincts towards something that is good, true, and beautiful. And so Sigmund Freud took that and he made that his God. That is what each philosopher does. They take a kernel of truth. They take something that has a slither of truth and they turn it upside down. Instead of God being at the top, now it becomes our instincts. We're at the top. Next one is Karl Marx. So his whole thing was to shift it. Instead of me and my instincts being at the top, the state is at the top. That's my God. So what we have to do is we have to create equality. See, he saw this issue in industrial civilizations where there was vast inequalities. There was people taking advantage of people. And he said, we need to overthrow the whole system. And we're going to create a perfect society where everybody is equal. The irony, of course, is this society has never been created. In fact, communist societies have rich and powerful just like every other society. But instead of it being based on innovation, so instead of it being Steve Jobs or being Bill Gates, it's Kim Jong-il. And, and who would you rather be powerful, Kim Jong-il or Steve Jobs? I mean, even though Steve Jobs has his issues, he, he's not a murderous tyrant like Kim Jong-il in North Korea, right? And so within these countries, what rises to the top, there's always a hierarchy. See, the answer of Christianity is that we don't build this jealousy where if people are rich, if people are powerful, that we have to steal from them, that we have to cut them down. No, we say that everything you've been given is at the service of another. So we say to somebody who is rich, and you see this in our community, right? Give back, support local efforts, be generous with your time, talent, and treasure, which so many of our people are here at St. Peter's. So instead of jealousy among classes, ability of service, Marx hated that. He called it a poison. He said, you know, it kept the proletariat, the, the working class, from rising up and from making a better life for themselves. And so they, they tried to build jealousy as much as possible. See that guy who has a nicer car than you? You deserve that car. Go steal it. Or better yet, create, put somebody in power that's going to take all of his money and give it to you. Those are the ideas of Karl Marx, to build that jealousy among the rich and the poor, or between the rich and the poor. And then finally, the last one, probably one of the more insidious ones, is Nietzsche and his politics of power. You see this so often. I had an interesting conversation once with a friend of mine who is a left-wing activist, 
And we were talking about a particular case. And this was when I was kind of coming back to Christianity. And she stopped me for a second and she said, wait a minute, Ian, what's your obsession with truth? She's like, this is not about truth. This is about power. This, the, it was Mumia, the Mumia case. Mumia is a black man who's in jail. So the black people have to take the power back. We have to foment a revolution where the, oh, the patriarchy and all that's overthrown. These are the ideas that are out there. And some of those people that I was friends with are now teaching in universities. I won't tell you which ones, but not, not at ECU. Um, See, but this is why we need a robust formation in Catholic education, Catholic elementary, middle school, high schools, through college. I was talking about with the college students, right? Some people think that like catechism through the eighth grade is sufficient. It's like, no, there's depth. I mean, when we study and get masters and PhDs and stuff, we don't just like mold clay and talk about our feelings or read the Bible over and over again. There's 2,000 years of wisdom. There's this great, the Catholic Church helped build Western civilization. The scientific method, there's a great book, How the Catholic Church Built Civilization, Western Civilization. And it talks about how the scientific method came out of the Catholic Church precisely because of this understanding that at the center of all reality is logos, is reason. That we can understand the universe, we can understand the laws of nature, Because there is a God who is reason himself. He is goodness, truth, and beauty. So instead of power being our God, instead of greed, instead of lust being our God, goodness, truth, and beauty is our God. That's why in the Catholic Church, the pursuit of excellence, the pursuit of wisdom, there's no necessarily need to be threatened. When people talk about the church persecuting academics, it's like two cases in like a thousand, two thousand years. And actually, those cases were kind of complex. The Galileo case was a little bit more complex than most people are aware of. And and this idea is insidious that the Catholic Church persecuted knowledge for 2,000 years, which is absolutely ridiculous. And it's very much a result of people who want to destroy the church. Make no bones about it. That's actually the foundation of Catholic education in this country, was the fact that people were finding that people wanted to pull people away from the Catholic Church, that that was the express purpose of public schools. And this is 100 years ago. This is before the rise of secularism. So maybe I've been a little bit on a soapbox, a little bit of a rant, but I just kind of want to walk you through why is it important that we have a formation in the Catholic tradition? We're proud of our heritage. We recognize the philosophy, the theology. We always dig deeper to know more. And there's so much layers to how we can go deeper in our faith. Not just in studying the Bible, but also studying the truths, the philosophers, the theologians, the scientists within the Catholic Church, going deeper within that repository of faith and that repository of wisdom that is Catholic institutions. And let us always remember to also support our Catholic schools. Amen.